Connor O'Keefe, thanks very much for coming on and speaking to myself and my brother Cormac. Um, I'm going to get straight into it. Yeah. We have things we want to ask, so we're going to get straight into it. We won't, bore, them with the, we won't bore the listeners with the hellos. and. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. So the, one of the things that I, because as I said to you earlier, I've started running recently. Mm. And one thing I just personally want to know is, like I can find it sometimes very boring for use of a word like as in i or a mundane as in i don't know um i don't have anything to occupy my headspace when i'm running or i don't know what to be thinking about and it's like um i just want to ask you because i know you do the ultra marathons and stuff it's like what mm. do you think about like when you run do you have a do you have a set that like i'm going to think about this for this long and do you know that kind of mm. way or do you listen yeah. to, you know what do you do when you're running for that long um, it's like a football player is, t- is thinking about playing football for the 90 minutes. I- I'm thinking about the run, like I'm thinking oh, about right. constantly, like, you know, uh, if I'm in this kilometer here now, I have to be thinking about that in relation to the 161 kilometers that are ahead of it. You know what I mean? So um, it's basically constantly thinking about is my pace right? You know, uh, am I fueling myself properly? Like, to be honest with you, like, I, I'm never, my head is never, like, empty, you know, and, I, and no one's head is ever empty. You know yourself, if you ever try to do meditation, the second you try and empty your brain, it's going to get flooded with loads of shit that you've never even thought about before. Um, so I, I'm constantly thinking about, you know, uh, about basically myself in relation to the race. I want to, I want to be there at the end, do you know what I mean? So I have to be there at the, at the very beginning and, and the whole way throughout, like. A lot of the time, I think maybe for me, I'm just, I'm concentrating too much on, say, every little niggle I can feel in my legs and all mm. the, or like my head is going so far away from the run that it actually, I think, now that you've said that, maybe that's why I'm finding that it seems to go on for so long, even when I'm not doing a long distance. Mm. And it's kind of putting me off running. So I actually, thanks for the, like, I'll try listening to that now. I will try focus maybe more on the actual run itself. Yeah. I'd be trying to distract myself from what I'm actually doing, and that's probably why it's going on like that. I think it's completely normal, like because you know we are as human beings in in the 21st century, we're very results based. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking probably about the result of the run, the end of the run. What's it going? You know, we I've eight k to do, and we're thinking about that all the time, and we have mm-hmm. to do this eight k run. You get to the seven k. Have you ever had last k syndrome where you're just like? You know, this is the last kilometer now and it it seems like a billion years and it's the last bit of the run, even the last two minutes. That just, because we're thinking, we're not in the run then. We've left the fucking run. The run is gone now. It's not even about the run anymore. It's just about finishing. It's about the result of the run. And that's, and I get that too. I get, you know, it leaves, you know, I leave the run too, but it's just about bringing it back. And as I said, like same analogy as the football player, like, you know, if you're a defender and the ball is up with your strikers, like, are you just chilling out, relaxing? No, you're not. You're seeing where your man is. You're seeing if the lads are making moves to the left and right of you. You're, you're, you're checking in with your goalkeeper. You're, you're constantly moving. And, and that's the thing about, about running is it doesn't matter if you're in the first kilometer or the last kilometer, you have to stay with it. Like, mm. yeah, that's, that's a great point because I think from looking at your stuff, like you, doing 100 mile races and 200 mile races and i'm like it's crazy to me and i only started running recently again myself like i played football for years but i'm if running is just different but uh and i'm like jesus i'm so far off where connor is and actually sometimes you pop into my head when i'm on a, a run and i'm struggling and i'm like 
I'm kind of kind of almost puts me down because I'm like I'm struggling here on this 10k and he's doing 100 milers so I'm like comparing myself to you who's obviously been doing it a lot longer than me so I think it's important to remember that it's not about the result mm. it's not about the distance it's about what I can do it's kind of beating myself every day it's like you're in my head at my run that I just finished there this morning like because I'm I, like I'm trying to be like up there and compete with the best in the country. So it's very normal for me to, to you know, compare myself to who is the best in the country at the, at the, at the moment, like on Instagram, because of the, you know, the society or community I find myself in, in ultra running, I'm just seeing other motherfuckers doing mad mileage and doing crazy fast times. And I'm like, what the flip? Like, you know, how, how am I going to be able to get to those guys? But I think, I have those moments and I, and I, and look, it's normal for them to come into my head. And then I just say to myself, right, it doesn't really necessarily matter. What matters is the run you have ahead of you and your own progression and your own, like what you're going to build towards and under it all, under all of the, you know, maybe somewhat insecurity of like not, you know, kind of thinking, Jesus, these people are so much better than I am underneath all of that. There is a belief in myself then that like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to do my best that I can do and show up to, let's say, whatever races there is uh, in the best shape that I can be in. And if I'm focusing on me and not focusing on them, then th that's the only way it can go, like, you know. Exactly. And just on that, I think you've got a great balance now, I think, of doing these great feats, but also not, as you said, not tying yourself to the achievement of the goal. It's the process that you enjoy and I suppose you I don't think you're always like that back maybe when you're doing your Mai Tai yeah. you were kind of saying even when you won and beat this fella who was like one of the, the best at the time you still didn't feel like you were that good so I feel I'm the same as well it's like no matter what I achieve hmm. in like my career or whatever I'd never felt like worthy or that I was there I never I still in ways don't feel that successful even though from the outside looking in, you might think, oh, you've done a lot. But for me, it's like, how do you, how do you find, I suppose, what will make you feel successful? Or is that what it's about? Or how do you find your purpose, your mountain that you're, you're going to strive towards? Um, I think the big switch for me was not trying to find something that made me feel successful. Um, really, you know, I was actually not trying to find something in my external life that was going to make me feel successful and just to try and find my own internal um, idea of what success is, you know, um, because um, everybody's elements of success is different, right? You Like, I, I'm an ultramarathon runner, right? And I win these races or whatever. That means absolutely fucking nothing to someone who plays tennis. Mm. Couldn't They couldn't give a shit, you know? They couldn't care who I am or what I've done. Yeah, say, like, oh, yeah, cool, you know, who cares? You know, that's not going to generate this. There is no, you know, all-encompassing idea of what success is, you know what I mean? So if, if we're attaching our success to the external, we're only attaching it to what we believe success, you know, is within our own external lives. So my own element of success now, despite any of the, you know, sporting achievements or my career or anything like that is, my own definition of success is being able to raise, you know, to, to rise every morning and know that I have the tools to cope with mm. whatever the day has to throw at me. And, you know, just being able to, you know, to like myself and actually 
um, get through the day and know that I have the tools to deal with, you know, with, with what everyday life is. Not, you know, everyday life isn't highlight real shit all the time. You know, it's not 200 mile races. It's not 100 mile races. It's not, you know, personal bests in this run and that. It's not, you know, day to day life is getting up and cooking breakfast and cleaning the house and, you know what I mean? You know, heading out and doing your exercises and looking after your well being. That's what every day, the day to day life is. And that's where I generate my own success is it pulls, it's, it's closely interlinked with my values. So if, if my value is, and my main value, the top of the peak, right, the top of the pyramid is my own well-being, my own health and my own well-being, whether that be physical or mental. If that's my top and that's my top value, then my success should be generated by how well I look after that. You know what I mean? And, and that's where the values are tied into your success. And the thing about values is goals will constantly change. Your goals will constantly change. You won't have the same goals that you had even last week or next year. You won't have them. You know, they'll, they'll constantly move and change. But under those goals that are constantly changing, there are values that are, you know, intrinsic to you. They're something that's built into you. It's part of your, you know, I suppose your genetic makeup. So if you've got a goal to, let's say, run this half marathon, one of your values then would be that, you know, pushing yourself in the physical realm is something that's worthwhile and something that's beneficial to my life. And that's something that was probably follow you throughout life. Your goals will change. But, you know, even doing something like this, starting the podcasts, you know, getting out of your comfort zone is a value of yours, you know, because you're, you're pushing into these different barriers of, 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 of doing this. And then if you say that you're being true to your values, if you really are being true to your values, that's success. That really is success. If you're being true to your values, when all of this, all of our lives are just, as I said, results-based and looking at how, you know, how much I can show you my success or show you my success with my things and my car and my house and all these things. Success is not something that I think is you know, emanating, you know, is, is not outside. It's something that's emanating from within. I think that's a great point. That, that is a great point, yeah. What I want to touch on as well is like, how do you get that motivation to get up every morning and go about looking after your well-being? And I know like everyone kind of has this drive to want to feel good. And a lot of people go mm-hmm. towards pleasure to feel good, but that's only momentary. And then it actually makes you feel worse in the long term. So for me, it's like pleasure versus pain and you need pain to get to the pleasure. So mm. for example, for me, it'd be like getting up, doing exercise, having a cold shower. I have the cold shower because I feel I'll get pleasure when I get out because I feel better. So how do you, mm. for someone that's like, just say at home at the minute and they're like struggling to get that motivation to push themselves to like look after their well-being, how do you switch your mindset to one where you actually you want to push yourself into that uncomfortable situation so that you yeah. grow and feel better. Um, I think like, uh, you know, I've got my own specific stance on, on motivation. Like, you know, um, uh, I think that it's completely normal to not feel motivated and to not feel like you want to actually put the effort into your own well-being and your own health. You know, it's completely normal to, to feel like that. I don't think that we're actually built to be motivated. Um, like if we were to go back 20,000 years ago, you, you know, you weren't motivated. You just had to survive. You know what I mean? You had to, you had to hunt or be hunted and you had to, you know, survive. And so we had no real need for motivation at that time. 
Um, and in those 15, 20,000 years, our lives have changed an awful lot, but our brains really haven't. So if we can look after our needs, if we can look after, you know, filling up our stomachs with food and have shelter um, and, uh, you know, away from the elements, those are kind of the biggest boxes that are ticked. So our bodies, our minds don't want us, our caveman or cavewoman brains don't want us putting effort into our lives. But as you said about the, the pain and the pleasure, I really think that it's a, it's, it's a balance between effort and, and well-being you have to put effort into actually feeling good. You need to put effort into your day to day. And I think that's, if I'm, if, you know, we all find ourselves trapped in these loops of, you know, being on our laptops, working and then switching from our laptops to our phones and all these type of things for anybody that's listening now. And they just kind of want that, you know, to have that kind of more simplistic view, because I really think that that's, that's what I have tried to do with my life is actually simplify everything. And just make it into the most, you know, uncomplicated of things. Like you look on social media, man, they'll have you doing yoga and vegan intermittent fasting. They'll have you in Pilates. They'll have you doing everything and anything under the sun to look after your well, your well-being, right? What I do is simple three-step, you know, program really that I just, I just integrate it into my day. There's no specific times or whatever the case may be. It just, just so happens that it happens first thing in the morning, and then it happens, you know, throughout the day. So the first thing I like to do when I have that, like you know, eyes burned out of my skull from the laptop, feeling groggy, feeling a bit kind of, you know, uh, lethargic about the day. I get up off the off the chair and I go fill myself a glass of water or I'll, I'll fill myself a bottle of water, right? And it's, it, you know, everybody knows we should be drinking water. That's And that's not what I'm kind of really getting at. What I'm getting at is the mind-body connection to what we're doing. So when we are actually get up off of this chair, we're making a conscious decision that what we're doing right now is not as important as looking after our well-being right now. So we're, we're making that conscious decision. We're sending that message to ourselves that our well-being is above what we're doing on the computer. That's step number one. That's the, that's the big goal here. You, you actually take on the water then and you're actually, while you're actually you know, drinking the water and you're pouring the water out for yourself, you're thinking, okay, I'm doing this because it's worthwhile. You know, I'm, it's worth me putting the effort in to try and keep up my hydration and this is doing good for my body and for my mind. You're drinking your water. The next thing I like to do, step two really, is move my body. And that's not, you know, that's not going out for big maddie runs or weight sessions or whatever. Just move my body. I'll stretch it out a bit. I'll, you know, I'll, do, I'll, I'll even do circles with my hips. I'll, you know, I'll do some standing quad stretches. I'll touch my toes. I'll do these kind of simple movements that just kind of get my body kind of moving and flowing in a different way again. You know, I'm sitting down. You know, I'm, I'm in front of the laptop a lot as well sometimes and, you know, doing, you know, doing Zoom calls and Zoom meetings and things like that. We have, you know, we, we are sitting in the same place. Our eyes are, you know, occupied by the screen. Getting that movement into us is really important. And the third thing I like to do is when I'm doing my movement, it's usually when I'm waiting for the kettle to boil. Kettle boils, make a cup of tea, cup of coffee, and I take it outside. Getting outside is number three. That's step number three. And that is like incredibly important to me every single day I, I get outside every single day and it's so surprising when I talk to people how many people especially in COVID that have actually spent 90 percent or if not sometimes a hundred percent of their day indoors and it's just I don't know I I, I you know I, I I touched on the the caveman self but it is unnatural it's unnatural that we would stay inside for all that time and we not get outside and feel the breeze and hear the birds and and all of these things and after I do those three things, when I come back to the laptop, 
I feel refreshed. I feel better about myself. I feel better about my day. I've really stuck to my own set of values. And that is that at the top of the pyramid of values is my own well-being. And I've looked after that. And I know that like, if I do that and I'm after doing that, I know how great it feels. 45 minutes later, I'll take another break. I'll walk around the house. I'll do, you know what I mean? It's, 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 um, it's, a, it's a process. And then it becomes then a part of your day to day. You don't even think about it. You know, you don't even actually think about it. And that's, you know, we'll, we'll get bombarded on social media by this, you know, special tea remedy, this, or, you know, this six week crash course diet and this, that, and the other, or, you know, getting, you know, like all of these things that maybe they have good intentions behind them, but what they do is they confuse people and they kind of make people think as well that what they're doing isn't good enough. You know, when the simplest of things that we can actually do in our day to day really do help us to actually take care of our well-being. And it, it sends that message to us that we are doing that. So then we're not feeling bad about ourselves or being compassionate with ourselves. And that leads to bigger shit. Like, you know what I mean? It leads to bigger and better victories into the future. Running your first 5K or learning the guitar or learning a new language or some of these things that we've always wanted to do. It leads to those things. It builds the foundation for those walls to go up. Yeah, that's I love that you said that. That is literally to a T the kind of things that we are promoting to students and stuff when we're speaking to them. Um I did a course um for the for the skills and th- those are the first three main principles that I touch on. The hydration, mm. light exposure, and movement. Mm, so it's yeah. actually great to hear you saying that as well. And just to touch on something that struck me when I was listening to some of your podcasts. Um, and it's kind of a personal thing for me again. So I'm, um, I came out with treatment a couple of years ago for alcohol. And just when you were talking about looking after your own well-being and stuff and putting the effort in, like I, I use those key practices that you're talking about there, the hydration, the light exposure movement to, to motivate, to motivate me to, cause I feel better after that. So my day becomes better and in turn down my life and they actually do keep me like on the straight and narrow since I've come out of treatment, just these little kind of key practices, simple things, nothing overcomplicated. And um, I heard you say in one of your podcasts that I think you were off alcohol for nearly two years. And I just actually wanted to know, was there, was there a particular reason that you did that? Um, yeah, I, I think I just, uh, you know, when I, I, I usually would have um, done, done things like that, like go off alcohol, because I thought that that's what I should do. And I think should is, you know, sometimes can be a very terrible word, you know, yeah. uh, it was like, it was like, I felt like, is there something that I should do? But when I decided to go off alcohol, and you know, when it really kind of lasted for a very long time, it lasted for almost two years, I... I just identified areas of my life that could improve, you know, that may, um, if I was able to, you know, have a different relationship with them, that they would improve. Um, and I noticed that alcohol really, the, 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 the issue, let's say, that I was having was I was, I was so up and down in my mood. My mood was so irregular. I could be absolutely cloud nine going around giving fucking high fives to everybody you know just you know having the best time of my life and then the next day I could literally be just like don't even talk to me you know and just completely withdrawn from everything and it was very tiring tiring not knowing what Connor I was going to wake up to in the morning and I felt that alcohol really exacerbated the issue I had without alcohol I, I alcohol wasn't the issue 
alcohol was merely, I suppose, pouring petrol on a flame that was already lit inside me. So um, I really had to, I really had to improve my relationship with myself. And I felt that removing alcohol was giving me a better chance of improving that relationship with myself. And then when I removed alcohol, I really, what I was doing really was I was removing it to work on certain areas, but uh, really what the, and this is the, you know, it, it came full circle because I, I, I drank alcohol again and I realized that I had to be, I had to be, you know, good without it. And I had to be kind of be able to be, you know, to handle life with it. You know, I, I wasn't in control of my drinking when I was not drinking, you know, I was only in control of my drinking when I was actually able to allow it to be part of my life. You know, I wasn't in control of it. I was just negating it. Uh, and so I made a decision um, that, you know, I'm very much uh, about internal victories, not external victories. So um, I was coming up on going to be two years, um, two years sober, I suppose, um in um in about uh, about five weeks from the time that that this happened i was going to be two years on the button uh, with no alcohol and i said i said to myself like am i doing it to hit two years or am i doing it because i still believe that you know having absolutely zero alcohol in my life is the way that i should live my life and i kind of said the only way to find out really is to have a drink um, you know, am I doing it for that, you know, you know, that two year validation, you know, external validation for myself that I can do it. Um, and I took the drink and I, I didn't, it, there was no regret. There was no remorse, no shame. There was no anything. There was, I just took the drink and it, nothing really changed in the best possible way. You know, nothing had changed me. I was still felt, you know, amazingly uh, good about my life, the way that everything was going, all the choices I had made to lead me to that time. And I was afraid of that. I was afraid of like, what would happen if I, you know, if I did allow alcohol back into my life? Oh, it's different for you. You know, if, if you yeah. found that the, that, that alcohol was actually one of the, you know, one of the key issues. I don't actually feel that alcohol was one of the key issues in my life. It just really allowed the key issues to fucking walk around, you know, and, uh, and have, have its time in the sun, you know? So, um, then I, I, and it was one of those things where if I, if I, if I let alcohol back in, do I open the floodgates? You know what I mean? Do I open the floodgates back to, you know, you know, the Connor who could not go out for the three or four that ended up always doing the 10 or 12 or 15 drinks. You know what I mean? And, um, which was like, you know, a fear of mine. So I had to conquer that fear as well. And I realized that when I did, I had one point to Guinness. That was what I kind of, you know, uh, I had to, to, to start, you know, I suppose, to open up my relationship with drinking again. And since then, like in that four months, I may have, might have had four drinks or something like that. It's not a, it's not a big part or a big deal in my life. I might have a, a glass of red wine, you know, in a week or something like that to, with, with dinner or whatever. But I've just completely changed my, my relationship with alcohol, but I feel like I had to do it in phases. I had to, you know, I had to have that time without it. And I had to have that time, you know, to, to really have the freedom to, to have that, this place, not up here, not down here, just to be, you know. That brings us on to an interesting point when you were talking about them two years that you had to do the internal work on yourself. I do a lot of like self-reflection and like journaling and meditating and kind of, seeing what comes up for me but i'm just curious as to like your sort of process for kind of dealing with these things that 
I suppose in, in my eyes, they kind of bubble up sometimes when you're not expecting it. And sometimes you think you've dealt with some old insecurity or something, and then it comes up again in certain situations. What's your kind of way of looking at these internal, I suppose, sometimes I call them like demons or whatever, or insecurities or things that are like inside you. And I think they're inside all of us. And like a lot of us probably run away from them. So how do you kind of face them and push past them and grow and become a better person or, um, yeah, like I suppose, um, you know, what I had to realize from the very beginning was that I was going to have to be very, very honest with myself. Um, and I was going to have to like, there's, um, there, like from my own introspection, I've, I've looked into a bit about, you know, about psychology and they, in psychology, they have two terms um, the ego self and the authentic self. You know, who, who, you know, who are you at that time? Am I the ego self or am I the authentic self? Am I trying to, you know, paint a better picture of myself than I really think um, just to feed the ego? Or am I actually being honest about, yeah, do you know what? I am actually insecure about that. And I, and I, I am having these thoughts about that. And it is giving me this physical reaction. And, and where is that coming from? So first of all, I think with anything, with anything that I have dealt with in my life in terms of personal demons, first of all, was identifying them, you know, identifying what are the, I suppose, the triggers, what are the, what's, what has triggered me to, to, um, to have this feeling and to, you know, to, to have these thoughts and then realizing that, yeah, it's okay. First of all, it's, it, you know, not to have a judgment about it, only just to recognize it, just to recognize that these thoughts come in and then once they are in, I have to realize what way am I looking at it from there then? Am I looking at it in this with my ego? Am I trying to save myself? Am I trying to, you know, prevent myself from feeling hurt and feeling failure or feeling, you know, shamed or, you know, feeling that judgment? Am I trying to protect myself and not be honest with myself? Or am I being honest with myself and actually allowing myself to process the pain and then be able to actually move forward from there? You know, and that's, that's really is like the the biggest um uh, how, how could i say the the identifying the differences between those two has been one of the biggest things for me and that's why my podcast is called flip the script because i have written scripts of my ego only to rip them up with my authentic self and realize no kind of you're fucking bullshitting yourself here and that's not at all how you feel about these things. And you're actually, you're actually tremendously insecure about this and it's okay. That's fine. And let's see if we can work on it. You know, let's, if I, if I said to myself, no, I'm not insecure and I'm actually grand, I never would give myself the opportunity to actually be able to move forward from it. It's like, um, you know, I felt like I was in a very, very good place mentally and personally, but by myself. And then I entered into a relationship months back and I realized that, you know, there was a lot of work to be done as well ar around my own view of myself and my own view of myself in relation to the relationship. And um, it really is all stemming from me. You know, I, I think before when I was in relationships, I was really pointing at the person I was with and I was saying, you're, you're making me feel like this. You're making me feel like this. And this is why you're this is why I'm feeling like this now is because of this you did. No, it's not. It's because there's things in me and parts of me that I've never dealt with and I've never looked at. I've never given it the time of day. I've constantly either shut it down. I've been, I've, I've let my ego shut it down or I have, you know, tried to throw a different judgment at it, but really just being that honest and, and coming at it with authenticity, being vulnerable 
and allowing yourself to know, yeah, do you know what? I am flawed. We are, we are all flawed, but you know, we can get to a point where we're able to actually cope. We're able to actually cope with the way we are and where if we have insecurities or we have trust issues or we have um, issues around specific social interactions that we can actually identify them, realize where they're coming from, not pull any punches either as well and be honest with ourselves and then move forward from that. I think if I, if I had continued going the way that I was going within my life, I never would have been able to have a healthy relationship. You know, I never would have had it, been able to have a healthy relationship. I never would have been able to have the those those other aspects of life. I had to be, first of all, you know, in my own head, I had to be comfortable with me. But to be fully comfortable with me, I had to be comfortable with with every aspect of my that my life is going to bring me, and, and that includes you know relationships and being with other people and things like that. You know, so um, it was very much like if I was going to sum it all up in one word, it would be honesty. Honesty is how I how I have tried to, to go at it. And you know, honesty where like I'm like, I'm not gonna like I I I I'm not gonna worry about hurting my own feelings. I'm just gonna actually honestly say, yeah, this is where it's coming from. You 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 don't feel secu- uh, secure here because you um and, and this thought is arising for you because of this. And that and, and it's it's painful, it's okay, it's fine, you know what I mean, and be able to move forward from it and build from it, you know. Yeah, mm. just that resume resonated with me a lot, actually, because yeah, I kind of sure. actually only had like started a relationship myself in the last couple of months and I had the exact same. I was so happy by myself. Finally, it actually took me a long time to mm. get happy by myself. Just sitting out in the garden last summer in the back garden with the sun on my face, just doing nothing, just content with everything. And I was like, finally, I'm here. And then I got into a relationship and all these insecurities that coming mm. back. That was like, shit, I was fucking avoiding them. And I didn't even realize. So yeah, it was just really resonated with me. And I think mm. honesty is probably just a great way of putting it just because you can keep running away from them. But if you really want a fulfilling relationship or you want to live life like fully and enjoy it, that's why you have to face these things that come up and you can, you can run from them Absolutely. all you want. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. if you are like you know, honest with yourself, um, it leads to being a bit more easy to be honest and communicate with the person you're with as well, you know, because um, when we're honest with ourselves, like a lot of the times, like I found myself thinking something and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, how am I going to say that, that I, you know, that, I, that I'm feeling insecure about this to this person or whatever the case may be. I'm like, you have to be able to kind of, if you're being honest with yourself about it, you know, it, it does make it a bit easier. Cause like, we all think that Jesus, that sounds a bit silly or that sounds like, you know, that's something that I'm not going to be able to talk to this person about, but you kind of have to talk yourself out of that type of, of, uh, of talk as well and realize that open communication and being honest about things is, is the way that you actually are able to work through it together because chances are the person that you're with, like I talk about this in the, in the, in the podcast I have called the games we play about relationships where like you're in a relationship, right? You're bringing your own shit into it and they're bringing their shit into it. And then there's this shit cohesion where just both of you are like bringing in the past and you know, your, 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 your childhoods and your past relationships and all, everything is just mashed together. And if there's not way, like, it's like you've poured out all the Lego blocks and they're just fucking all over the floor. If you're not able to sort out the colors and you're not able to actually put some sort of an order on it between yourselves, 
you'll be fucking stepping on pieces of Lego for, for a long time. You know what I'm saying? So yes. um, it's like just about realizing that like, you know, even in my relationship now, like, you know, with, with Mel, it's kind of like, look, um, you know, there's no judgment from me and I, and you, there's no judgment from you. This is like an open area for, to air out anything you want to discuss and having that safe space, that safe time and checking in with each other is very important. Like uh, as part of my own kind of, as I said, getting outside and doing all of these things every single morning, we go outside with our coffees and we sit down on a log that's outside our back garden. And that log is like, you know, it's a check-in zone and there's no, like, you know, we don't have internet um, at that time, nothing at all. We might have our phones there with us, but it's just, if we wanted to take a picture of the nice sun in the morning or something like that, but it's our time to kind of say, what's going on for you? You know, what's going on for you? You know, what's going on in your life? You know, we live in the same fucking house, but it's, you know, we're both living our own lives. Um, and so if there's something that's going on for her, something going on for me, we're able to actually air that out. And like every single time I leave that log, I feel about 10 kilos lighter. And it's just that way of just saying, okay, yeah. And like, it might just be something about an insecurity to do with my job, you know, to do it like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing as good a job as I should be doing, you know, giving these talks to this company here or whatever. And I don't know if I should, you know, what should I quote for this job here? I, I don't know, you know, my value, my worth or whatever. And then she's there to step in and go, you know, well, Connor, like, you know yourself that like you have the value to give to these people. They're coming to you in the first place. And, and yeah. she puts on that kind of logic hat, you know, on, uh, that in, 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 amongst all of these insecurities running in my mind. And I do the same for her. And it's a great way to kind of, you know, have this mutual communication. It's very important. Yeah, definitely. Because you can, like you said, she can look at your insecurities logically and you can do the same for her. Hmm. this is uh, it's making me think a lot now like because i'm in a new relationship myself and it's the same thing it's like you said you everyone brings their own shit that each side bring their own shit to it and it's just a matter of sorting that out and it's like it's hard when you have one of them insecurities like you said it's very hard sometimes to say it to the person in fear of what it's going to sound like but i think when you just like that little bit of effort that little bit of courage just to jump in and do it that one time and you'll notice the growth that comes from it and it just gets easier and easier and the relationship gets easier instead of what a lot of people do and what i did myself in every other relationship was hold those things in and try to like try to just push past it yourself it never works do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, you're carrying that around with you, like you know. That's mm -hmm. the thing. I I would have tried to you know, like have these internal battles with myself, like yeah. about all of these different things, and then you know, it's it just it's it, when you look upon it now. When I look upon it now, I really try not to like judge who I was in in previous relationships because my intentions behind it were always good. I didn't want to bring this shit to her, you know. I didn't want to bring you know my crap to her front door, but um, in a relationship to a certain extent my crap's her crap and her crap's my crap you know what I mean and that's that's the thing like you you have to be able to share that and have an open kind of a, a you know a environment for that to happen so yeah it's look it's again like it's a it's it's a learning curve I think more people are talking about it as well these days is that like you know it's actually okay to raise these these issues and you know if there is judgment around it you know 
that's 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 the risk we take you know like it's just like it's just like anything we do in life we we aim to do something and there's always that risk there's always that risk that we're going to fall flat in our face or we're going to succeed and both both need to be worked on you know what i mean we can't just even if we do succeed it's like i've known people in the past that have tried tried for two years to get a promotion in their job and then they get a promotion they feel like they're not deserving and they feel like they can't do the job mm. and i'm like okay you got picked for the fucking job yeah. there was 50 other people went for the job and you got it you know what what does that really actually tell you honestly and people have a very very hard time sometimes dealing with failure but also dealing with success too so it's um i think we we when we when we do create that kind of environment in a relationship we we we're, we're we're risking that we're, we're we're risking both sides we're risking that um the person is going to judge us and not understand what we're saying or they're going to really understand what we're saying and we're going to have to take on what they have you know and they're going to they're going to have their own side of it too so um yeah it's look it's 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 work it's effort as i said yeah exactly and i think it's just keeping in mind that it's worth the effort because it gets so much better on the other side so that's mm. why we do it that's why you go through these painful insecurities because it's worth it in the end yeah. And for sure. I'm I'm just wary of time. Yeah, we could probably sure. chat to you for ages on loads of things I'd love There's to ask no you. But, worries at all, guys. but um I just we'd like to finish with a couple of questions. Um just kind of quick fire questions. I think you already answered yeah. one, but um what the first one is what quote do you regularly use in hard times to kind of say to yourself, is there anything that you use when you're going through a difficult time? Um, I always think about uh, Mike Tyson's quote um, about fear. Um, he says that uh, fear is like fire and fire can be really useful. Um, it can mm. cook your food and it can keep you warm. But if you don't put a handle on it and if you don't control fear, it can be just like fire as well. And if you don't control fire, it can burn up everything around you. So it's about it, it's for me, if I am afraid of something, it's about, I suppose, viewing it and harnessing it in, a, in the right way. And, and I suppose allowing myself to feel fear first and foremost, and then being able to actually use that. So I think that's a really interesting one. Brilliant. Yeah, cool. um, next question is, is there a book that helped you see things differently? A book that helped me okay, see things differently. Okay, you recommend to anyone listening that kind of, yeah, gave you a different view of things. Yeah, um, my favorite author is uh, Malcolm Gladwell, um, and he has some tremendous, tremendous books. I think I've read every single one um, except for What the Dog Saw. I think that's his, the last book of his that I'm to read. So I've read the catalog nearly. And the book that stood out for me, which isn't actually the one that got you know the most critical acclaim, was uh, Outliers. Uh, and Outliers, in Outliers, um, he's, he... Um, he basically introduces the idea of the 10,000 hour rule um, and the 10,000 hour rule being that 10,000 hours is the average amount of time that it takes to become an expert or a master in something. And I really kind of read into that and realized that, you know, um, that what I was saying again in the first part of this podcast was that effort really does um it does give you a lot more than it takes. So any effort that you do give into something that it, it does actually give it back to you in your life and that we have time. We have time to do everything. We have time to, 
to to do these things and get these things done like and it's where he was kind of saying in this book was yeah 10,000 hours like if you did an hour a day of something for a year it would only be 365 hours so like you've a long time there so not to rush things not to rush processes and just to actually you know to to be there and be part of the process and the journey and not just expect a result out of nowhere and uh, it really it really did teach me that and it's just fantastic anecdotal pieces in it as well brilliant and another question what advice would you give to your teenage self because as you know me and daryl do talks and workshops with te- or like with teens. teens so and i know you do as well in secondary mm. schools so like what advice what's the main piece of advice you think you should give to young people listening um there's two bits of advice well for me personally i would say you're good enough you're good enough without any of the external like successes or anything like that. You're good enough. You're a good person. You're kind and you've got good intentions. Um, and just to move forward with that in mind. And the second thing really feeds into the last question. I'd say read as many books as you possibly can. Eat it up. Um, schooling is fantastic, but it really only does less than half the job. Um, what we really want is to instill this thirst for knowledge in people and uh, knowledge is one power but knowledge is also ful- fulfilling it's really fulfilling and being able to tie in your own personal experiences with with things that you learn is a fantastic thing that I have developed over the last number of years and I was never a reader in my teenage years and you know in my early 20s yeah I read a handful of books but it was really only in my late 20s when I really gave you know re- you know allowed reading to have a proper place in my life you know so um I would say read as many books as you possibly can. Mm, that's great advice. And actually, one of my friends recently put it really well to me. He said, a book is like a doorway that's open for you. So like you read the mm. book, it opens a new doorway, and then you can walk through and bring those them learnings into your life, as you said. So it's kind of like you read a book and you live what you've learned. I think that's Absolutely. important. You don't want yeah, to just and I've... constantly reading and not actually implementing anything. 100%. I think I always read things in, in, in light of myself, you know, and how they re- relate and reflect to my life. I'm reading a book about Alexander Humboldt at the moment. I don't know if you've ever heard of Alexander Humboldt. He's like, um, he was like a predecessor for um, people like Charles Darwin or Charles Darwin, who, who basically came up with the idea of evolution. Um, he was basically, um, people were thinking about nature uh, only, um, within one specific organism at a time and he was one of the first people that realized that everything is tied in together that the moon and the stars have things to do with the ocean tides and how trees have something to do with the soils and that birds and bees have things to do with plant pollination and that they're all tied up in this big web and it's when i when i think about that i think about his love for nature i, I, I and i saw how how far it had gotten him um, and, and this in- exploration of one, the natural world, but also the explanation, the, the exploration of self mm-hmm. um, and how tying that into my own life and how nature has kind of done that for me as well. And um, so, yeah, again, uh, like specifically for Irish people as well, I think reading about our history um, mm-hmm. is something that is just absolutely fundamental because um, we have to know, you know, where we have come from. I, I feel like a lot of the people that are running this country right now need to learn 
um, and they need to realise um, a lot of these things that, that you know, are just not really taught to us. Uh, they're not taught to us. Knowing your history is a huge part of, of where we're going to go in our future. Brilliant. Brilliant, Connor. Yeah, I have one more question, that. actually. The yeah. most important one. One uh, more. Boom. I heard you mention it. You do, I know you drink tea. You know the head. Yeah. But uh, the big question is, is it Lions or Barry's? Oh, um, I'm a Barry's man, right? And this is the thing. I've been <laughs> Barry's all day, every day, because Barry's is from Cork, you know? I know, I've seen you say that, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I will say, right, I'm, not, I'm disappointed in Barry's because they haven't moved forward with being eco-friendly and being more responsible. They're still using plastic. And anybody who's listening from Barry's right now, I'm going to stop <laughs> drinking Barry's. I'm going to stop drinking Barry's because it's not good for the environment. And you're killing down all of the natural world that I love. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to give a skip on. I'm going to stick with the coffee these days because the tea, the tea isn't doing for me anymore. Not good enough. Not good enough. <laughs> no. well, fair play. Must get on to yeah. Barry. So, um, yeah, you you get on to him, Carmack. Right? I'll get on to Barry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey. yeah. Um, sweet. Cheers for that, Connors. Yeah, thanks. Great very chatting much. to you. And as I said, we probably could chat to you for ages about loads of t- different things, but. Uh, Cheers for coming on. Thanks very much. No man. worries at all. And um, if you ever wanted to do another episode or whatever, there's no worries. Yeah. We can we yeah, can man. sort that out down the line as well. All yeah. right. And best yeah. of luck with everything in the podcast. Um, it's yeah, actually really, like worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. And just before you go, actually, how do people find you if they want to listen to your podcast or yeah. follow you? And, or how do they find yeah. you? Yeah. Um, my 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 Instagram handle is C O K E F F E, and everything. That's kind of like the headquarters. That's where everything kind of goes down. And uh, there's a link there to my Patreon page as well that I write pieces on. I write articles in there, and um, I have my my podcast linked up there as well. Flip the script is available on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and. Um, it's just been an absolute fantastic journey just to hear people kind of say, yeah, you know what? It resonated with me. And when I hear resonated, when I see resonated on the page, it was it, what it basically means is you have given me permission to feel a certain way. You know what I mean? I, 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 you, because you felt like that, I can feel like that. And it resonated with me. You know what I mean? And giving people that type of freedom is, is a great thing. So, um, yeah, if anybody wants to listen to the podcast, completely free. And I, I, I basically run it with a Patreon page that if people wanted to support, they can support through the Patreon, but it'll always be free, you know, for anybody who doesn't have the cash to, to listen to it, it'll always be free. So people can just can always get what they want out of it. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, I definitely recommend it for anyone because I love listening to it myself and you just you do feel it does mm. resonate. You just feel like yeah. you're in the room with you chatting. So mm. it's, it's brilliant. I'd recommend it for everyone. Good stuff. I'm delighted to hear. Well, yeah, thanks for that, Connor. Sure. Thanks, Hopefully. Connor. Cheers for that, man. No worries at all, guys. All right. 100%, guys. All right. See you later, man. Cheers. See you later, brothers.